Come, Holy Spirit, come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. In our Gospel today, we hear about this beautiful encounter between Bartimaeus, this blind man, and our Lord. Bartimaeus is on the side of the road. He's helpless, in a sense, and he hears that Jesus is passing by, and he has some sense of faith, and so he cries out in his need, Jesus, Son of David, have pity on me. And at first he's rebuked by people. They tell him, be quiet, leave Jesus alone. But he doesn't, he doesn't give up, and in doing so, he teaches us one of the most important lessons for us to learn is the need to persevere, right? to never give up, to keep asking, to keep seeking, uh, to keep calling out to our Lord, have pity on me. And so Bartimaeus doesn't give up. He calls out, Son of David, have pity on me. And it's because of his perseverance, because he didn't give up after that first time, Jesus hears him. And Jesus calls him to himself. He says, come. And then this beautiful question from our Lord, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? This is a question that Jesus asks each one of us. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus wants us to come to him with our needs and our desires, to come to him in faith with our petitions. He wants us to present those to him with faith. And I think all of us, in a way, can respond with Bartimaeus. The simple request, Master, I want to see. Now, you and I can most likely see physically, but there's another way in which I think we can understand this request. Master, I want to see. To see as Jesus sees. To see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us. So often we have a twisted view of ourselves, right? to see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us, to see one another the way that Jesus sees them, especially that person that we find difficult to be around, that person that we find difficult to love, to see that person as Jesus sees them, to ask our Lord to help us to see the truth of reality the way that God sees it, to see the truth of what has been revealed to us by Christ, the beauty and the goodness of our faith, to see the truth of God's love for each and every one of us and of every single human being. And to ask Jesus to help us to see with the eyes of faith. Scriptures tell us that we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. To see our lives, to see the events of our life, through the eyes of faith, to see that, that God has a plan, that God is with me. And then faith leads us to entrust ourselves to Jesus, to see with the eyes of faith that He has a plan for my life, and to entrust that to Him, to let go, so that Jesus can be in, in control and in charge, to trust Him with my past, with my present, but also to trust Him with the future. God has a plan for each one of our lives, and He asks us to trust Him. To trust Him, especially when it's challenging. 
when it's maybe confusing. To trust Him when His plan for our life requires us to sacrifice, to be generous, to let go, to die to ourselves. And it's in this context of faith and of trust in God's plan for our lives that I do want to say just one thing about contraception and why the church teaches that it is gravely sinful. God has a plan for your life, for my life. God has a plan for your family. And it's different than your plan. It's different than my plan. Because God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. But here's the good news. God's plan is always better than our plan. God's will for our lives is always better than our own. He always wants to give us more. He always wants to bless us far beyond what we could ask for of ourselves. But the path that we get there is often more challenging, requires us to walk by faith and to trust where he is calling us. This is at the heart of our faith, to believe that God's will for me is better than my own. And at times to be willing to die to myself, to let go of my own will for what God is asking of me. After all, as people of faith, we're called to be open to his will and to trust in it, especially when it requires us to let go of our own. We're called to let God be in control of our lives. This is the true path to happiness and to salvation. And contraception is such a critical issue in marriage because it undermines the trust that God is asking us to have. To trust Him to always do what's best for you. To trust Him to always do what's best for your family. God is the author of life. And every child that is conceived Every child that comes into this world is because God has acted. God has chosen to directly intervene, to create that new human soul out of nothing. And the parents cooperate uh, with that beautiful miracle, but it's God who gives life. But contraception takes that decision out of God's hands. It attempts to exclude him from that union of husband and wife and to prevent him from bringing life into existence if he so chooses. And this is why the church teaches that it's gravely sinful. And I'm sorry if you've heard something different in the past. I truly am. There's been a lot of confusion over the years on this topic. But that is what the church teaches. Here's what the Catechism says. Paragraph 2370. Every action whether temporary or permanent, every action which proposes to render procreation impossible is intrinsically evil. Every action which proposes to render procreation, the bringing of new life into the world, impossible is intrinsically evil. 
It's evil because it seeks to circumvent, to go around God's design and purpose for our sexuality, to separate the unitive from the procreative. And it seeks to prevent God from exercising his rightful role as the author of life. And this is radically different from the church-approved method of responsibly discerning what God might be asking of you with regard to children. Natural family planning works within God's design, within his plan for human fertility. It understands it and it respects it, always leaving God, to, always leaving God room to act if he sees fit. Contraception and natural family planning may have the same end result, but they have radically different means of getting there. One imposes something artificial from without, contrary to God's design, excluding him in the process. But the other works from within, respecting God's design for our human nature and his plan for our human sexuality. Now, none of us can change the past. We can't take back decisions that we've made, whatever they might be, right? We believe in the mercy of God. We leave the past in the confessional. We let God's mercy fill us. Any of us that have past regrets or burdens, give them to God in confession. Let Jesus heal you and heal us as he healed Bartimaeus in the gospel. We have control over only one thing, the choices that we make today. There's one basic question that God is asking of every single one of us, regardless of where we're at in our life, regardless of what our vocation is, what stage of life we're at. Will I trust God with my life? Will I trust his plan? Will you trust him with your future, with your life, with your family? And if you're still in this stage of life, will you allow him to tell you how many children he wants you to have? And will you trust that he will provide everything that you need to carry out his will? I'll close with one final quote from the Catechism. Let all be convinced that human life and the duty of transmitting it are not limited to the horizons of this life only. Their true evaluation and full significance can be understood only in reference to man's eternal destiny. Every child that comes into this world is destined by God to live with him forever in heaven. And you who are parents are given the responsibility of bringing those future saints into this world. Be generous. Trust. Trust in God's plan for your life. Build up the kingdom of God one child at a time. And let's all of us ask our Lord to help us see with the eyes of faith to see the goodness of his plan for our lives, to see that it truly will lead us to fulfillment and happiness and freedom and joy in this life and in the next.